Hello, everybody. Welcome to this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Exciting show today, as per usual. I think we just start that off with every single show now because it is an exciting show because on Friday, the day we release the show, as I say, almost every single show these are recorded a day in advance. So, Friday, we close the show off by talking about Zach Wilson's Pro Day. If you don't know who Zach Wilson is, he is the BYU quarterback expected. Let's go back to that day, Thursday. He was expected to go number two overall. And I saw something that Chris Mortensen said that it is basically his job to lose depends on his Pro Day. The Jets' job is his job to lose. Going to Friday morning... And Friday, into Friday afternoon when the pro day was taking place around 12.30 is when he actually started throwing. It went from the expected number two overall pick to the almost guaranteed number two overall pick. Now, I know that I said about a thousand times, I don't like to take a ton away from pro days. I never, never really liked doing that because, you know, it's on air. Every quarterback out there, at that level anyways, can look good on air. I'm not. I shouldn't label it to every quarterback because, you know, some quarterbacks are very, very bad, so they don't know how to do well in those situations. But most quarterbacks, especially the ones that are expected to be high draft picks, will have very, very good pro days. It's just how that's just how the whole thing works. But I will say this about Zach Wilson's pro day: that was the most fun I'd had watching a pro day. In a very, very long time. Now, I enjoyed the likes of, you know, Johnny Manziel's Pro Day, where he came out with the shoulder pads. I loved watching RG3's Pro Day. I loved watching Josh Allen's Pro Day. Like, there are Pro Days that are fun to watch, but I have never sat there and laughed during a Pro Day. Not at just how funny it was. Like, I think I laughed at Johnny Manziel's because he walked out on football pads. This one I laughed because I actually... It's one of those laughs where you just cannot believe what is going on around you. Like... Almost a nervous laughter, I guess you could say. Just, you don't know anything that's going on right now. You don't know how that just happened. And I sat there, watched it, and I did that countless times. And there was a full-blown crowd at Zach Wilson's Pro Day, as there should be for a kid coming out of a, it's not a small university, but a smaller university as compared to Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State. There was going to be a crowd there, and every time he made a good throw, there was... There was applause after the throws. And there are a few of them that you're like, wow, that was a that was a good throw. That was a very that was a good throw. And even you sitting there watching it, not even live there, had to appreciate it and clap a little bit during it. Now he started off with the short throws. He missed a couple throws early, but then he showed off the movement outside of the pocket. I know it's just John Beck, the quarterback coach and former BYU quarterback. Rushing him at basically just above a jog. Rushing after him. But the way he can roll out and contort his body and contort his arm in a way to put it where exactly he wants it, even though he's rolling out the exact opposite direction, people don't understand that's one of the harder things to do from a quarterback's perspective. Not what Zach Wilson was doing. No, no, no. We're going to take this down to the lower level Love just rolling out to the left and flipping your shoulders around and hitting your left shoulder or right shoulder. I get well, well okay, rolling out to your left. We'll use this for right-handed quarterbacks. Roll out to your left, flip your shoulders, left shoulder, point at the target, throw it. 
it can be difficult to get that right away. Zach Wilson is not only turning his shoulders, he's flipping his arm around, and you're never taught to how te- they never teach you how to throw it back across the middle. Not only just when you're in general, but when you're rolling out to the left. That's like rule number one. Never throw across your body playing quarterback. Sam Darnold's first pass in the NFL was a pick six against the Detroit Lions because he rolled out to the right, threw back to his left, defender jumped the route, and scored a touchdown. Now the Jets ended up killing the Lions in that game, but that's a prime example why you do not throw across your body. Unless you can make plays like Zach Wilson. And watching that, I'm not saying that he will be this person, but watching his pro day and some of the throws he made, and you can see some of the throws that he made in his pro day during games at BYU. Like, this isn't just a pro day thing where he's like, oh, I'm going to show off now. He was doing that at Brigham Young University. Those contortions of his arm looked like Patrick Mahomes. And again, I'm not saying he is Patrick Mahomes or will become Patrick Mahomes, but it is hard not to see some resemblance in the way they play. Now, Patrick Mahomes is a little bigger than Zach Wilson, but the way they move and the way they run, the way they just twist their bodies around to make all these weird throws, and then the one where Zach rolled out to his left and threw a dime down the left hash mark right into the receiver that ran a post route. It's one of the best throws, if not the best throw I've ever seen at a pro day. Now, this video circulated around Twitter a lot, and Lewis Riddick, I believe, tweeted this out. It was Sam Darnold making a similar play to that. So then there's the argument of, do the Jets want to move on from Sam, or do they want to bring in Zach Wilson? Now, here's where things get a little bit interesting in regards to the, what do we do with Sam Darnold? Does Zach Wilson go to the Jets? We all know he's going number two overall. I think that's a pretty much a lock at this point. I think if the Jets don't draft Zach Wilson, they're trading out of the pick. They're not going to just draft somebody. At least I don't think. That's how I'm sitting here right now. But I think Joe Douglas is smarter than that to see the value in Zach Wilson and go, we're going to need some picks. We're not just going to draft, say, a Panay Sewell or a Jamar Chase or someone like that or Kyle Pitts at number two. We're going to move back, get some picks, even if it's just one spot. We're going to get some picks in return for this top prospect in Zach Wilson, who is, by all accounts, now I shouldn't say, I should say this, Justin Fields, the quarterback from Ohio State, for those of you unaware, has not had his pro day yet. Has not had his pro day yet. And again, we don't need to take away a ton of pro days, but they can still be exciting to watch. And reports of, or not reports, it was a video of Justin Fields running a 44140. 439. It was somewhere around there. I can't remember. I think it was a 44140, which is blazing fast for a quarterback. Now, Zach Wilson didn't run the 40. Trey Lance didn't run the 40. Trevor Lawrence didn't run the 40. Mac Jones is the only quarterback out of these first round quarterbacks that actually ran the 40 yard dash because he's the one that actually needs it because people are concerned about his lack of athleticism. So what do they do? We judge it on the one thing that doesn't really show athleticism. It shows technique and how to run good in a run good in a straight line. Again, the 40-yard dash is fun, but it's all about technique. If you don't have a good technique in that, 
you're not going to run a fast 40 time. I don't care how fast you are on the field, you're not going to run a fast 40 time, which is why I've we, we've talked about this a lot, how I don't think it's as important as what they make it out to be. It's just a fun drill because that just back to elementary school where we had where people had races at recess to see who's the fastest kid in the grade. That's like it's what you do. So the, I get why it exists, but it shouldn't have as much weight as it does. But yes, Zach will or Justin Fields will be doing his pro day next week. But back to Zach Wilson's pro day. The thing that caught everybody's eye, that shook up everything, was the trades. We finally had our first trades of the NFL draft. Yes, we have done it. We have finally made it. The San Francisco 49ers have traded up to number three with the Dolphins. So the Dolphins picked at 12 for about 12 minutes. And then they traded back into the top 10, trading with the Eagles. So the Eagles now picked 12, the Dolphins picked sixth, which was what we thought would happen with Miami Dol- or the Philadelphia Eagles. They're either going to take Pitts or Jamar Chase, which we essentially locked Kyle Pitts going to the Philadelphia Eagles. Obviously, that is not happening anymore. But then we also said they'll trade back. I didn't think they draft a quarterback. And apparently, they were trying to trade for a quarterback. And that quarterback was Zach Wilson. And reports came out today that they are unsure about Jalen Hurts. So, makes sense if you want to draft a Zach Wilson. But obviously, it did not happen. The 49ers got to the Dolphins first. And the Eagles are now picking 12th as opposed to 6th or even 3rd where they could be in quote-unquote striking range of Zach Wilson. Now, they're not he's not getting picked third, but that gives you a ticket to move up so the Jets don't fall a lot in the draft if they trade away Sam Darnold. And the timing of this trade between the 49ers and the Dolphins is very strange. Timing is everything. Remember, timing is always everything. The Miami Dolphins training back with the Niners. The Niners training up. The thing that's weird, and this was the obvious link here. Justin Fields going to the San Francisco 49ers. That was the obvious link. There, that's what everybody was saying. I even posted a poll on Twitter regard, right after the trade was made and asked everybody. And Mac Jones and Justin Fields were the only two that received votes. Now, I get, and I know we're not. people aren't going to want to listen to this, but do not... Be shocked if it's Mac Jones. I don't think it will be, but let's just say this. Do not be shocked if it is. I just want to put that out there. Because I know it's not the cool thing to actually like Mac Jones, but, and again, I don't think it will happen, but there is a chance the 49ers draft Mac Jones because of his quick decision-making that Kyle Shanahan likes. One of his favorite quarterbacks, his favorite quarterback that has been well-documented, he loved himself some Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is a very fast decision maker. That's what Mac Jones is. Now, do I think that'd be an overdraft? Yeah, but don't be shocked if it's happening. The person I think they're going to draft, and this is what everybody in the NFL, most people in the NFL media are figuring out right now, this screams Trey Lance from North Dakota State. So right now, as we sit here on March 28th, it looks like it's going Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. You know, why the Trey Lance thing makes sense, obviously, he's had his pro day. 
you wouldn't trade up to number three if you didn't know what you were getting from a pro day perspective. Because pro days can make or break a team's opinion on somebody. Justin Fields has not even had his pro day yet. Now, they could be doing this because Kyle Shanahan has worked with Justin Fields in the past. He has worked with them at the QB collection. I think that's what the camp's called. So maybe they already know enough about Justin Fields to have a bearing around him to where we don't need to do the pro day interviews. But they've already interviewed Trey Lance. They've already interviewed Mac Jones. I'm assuming they were going to interview Zach Wilson. And this was on the day of Zach Wilson's pro day. And if you remember a few months ago, Zach Wilson did say that the offense he thinks would fit best in is Mike Kyle Shanahan's offense. Now, again, it doesn't look like the Jets will trade out of that spot or not take Justin Zach Wilson, but John Lynch was right next to Robert Sava and jo- Joe Douglas right after that trade was made. Now that could just be catching up because obviously Robert Sala is a 40, former 49ers defense coordinator. So there's obviously some sort of relationship still there. But it could have also been trying to discuss a possible trade from two to three. This has happened numerous times before. The most famous one in recent history is the Chicago Bears trading up to two from three to draft Mitchell Trubisky. And we've talked about that whole spiel about why it's fun to look at things in hindsight where back then he was often considered the best quarterback in the draft. But now it's not fun to say that. Now it's, oh, we knew that he wasn't going to go before. We knew that he was a bad pick as opposed to Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. We knew that. But now we made our pre-draft predictions about where we think, where we rank these different quarterbacks. That's neither here nor there. But don't rule that out. Don't rule that out. But everything that I see right now and everything that I feel right now says this is Trey Lance. You look at what the 49ers do on offense, or at least what Kyle Shanahan wants to do, but they're kind of limited by Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, they aren't trading Jimmy Garoppolo. And the Patriots recently ruled out a move for Jimmy Garoppolo. Makes sense, because they just re-signed Cam Newton. Doesn't make sense to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. And then keep Cam Newton. I don't know what they're going to do there. Now, the 49ers did say they aren't trading him. There might be a chance they cut him. So, <laughs> we, we might be seeing that. I don't think that we will. I don't think we will. I've said numerous times, I think Jimmy Garoppolo will be the 49ers quarterback this season. In this season alone. But for what I can tell, Kyle Shanahan wants a quick-moving offense. They have fast offensive weapons outside in Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk especially. Then you got George Kittle at tight end. You got Raheem Mostert at running back. Hopefully, a healthy offensive line is a very good offensive line for the 49ers. And then Trey Lance. The 49ers run Kyle Juszczyk, their fullback, in a lot of sets. They're one of the few teams in the NFL that run fullback sets. You could throw them in there with the Chiefs, the Ravens, and that might be it. Now, I I might be completely forgetting somebody, but to my knowledge, those are the only few teams, along with the 49ers, that still use fullbacks quite a bit in their offense. What does North Dakota State do? Better than anybody at the FCS level, and you can even argue so better than some teams, if not most teams, at the FBS level, is run the football. They do eye formations all the time. They check down to their fullback quite a bit. Now, they also run a lot of shotgun, 
which is what the 49ers will do, but Kyle Juszczyk is in the game even when they're in shotgun. Got George Kittle, Trey Lance Light thrown to his tight ends at North Dakota State. They got speed outside. They had speed outside North Dakota State. This feels like a fit for Trey Lance. And the Falcons picking that at four, the obvious pick is Justin Fields to a lot of people, but remember, we talked about this in the last mock draft about the links with Kyle Pitts. So maybe the Falcons go with that direction of Kyle Pitts. Maybe that's why the Eagles eventually traded back because they couldn't think they didn't think they could get either of Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase. Because look at again the top three right now. We've already said the quarterbacks: Lawrence, Wilson, Lance. Four, if the Falcons don't go quarterback, will be Kyle Pitts. The Bengals are number five, and then this is where a very interesting place for the Cincinnati Bengals. Obviously. Getting off to linemen is what everybody logically would think the Bengals would do. But they did go out there and get Riley Reed this offseason, who's had a very good career in the NFL and had a kind of a career resurgence in his last year in Minnesota before getting cut by the Vikings. They just signed him. Looks like he might play right tackle. Now they got Jonah Williams there at left tackle, but there's a chance they move him inside to guard. So Panay Sewell would make sense. If they don't move Jonah Williams to guard, Rashawn Slater would make sense. They could play him at guard. But then there's another pick that makes probably even more sense, really, at this point in time. Not talking about from back when the offseason first started, where we didn't have an offensive line that was very good at all. You had a pretty garbage offensive line. But you got Riley Reef in free agency. You re-signed Quentin Spain. You got Jonah Williams there. It's a not good offensive line, but it's a better, it's an improving offensive line. The thing Joe Burrow is going to want, and I've seen reports of this happening, that he's been pining for this, this offseason, is Jamar Chase. And it makes perfect sense to get Jamar Chase. The Bengals just lost their longtime receiver, A.J. Green, and Tyler Boyd is the only main option. Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, who they drafted in the second round last year, are their only options right now. Do they feel comfortable going with Tyler Boyd? We don't really know what they're getting from T. Higgins yet, but you see the potential in T. Higgins there. So get Joe Burrow, his favorite target in college, Jamar Chase. Those two put up insane numbers at LSU. Why not want to why would you not want to reunite them together in Cincinnati? Now again, the obvious pick is Panay Sewell or Rashawn Slater. Offensive lineman makes a ton of sense. But if your quarterback wants it in Jamar Chase, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a team that wouldn't just listen to their starting quarterback. Now, that's happened before. The Green Bay Packers are a prime example of a team that does not listen to their starting quarterback that often. But, man, reuniting Burrow with Jamar Chase, that would be awesome. To see. That would give them... I mean, A.J. Green is an amazing wide receiver. Win healthy. But that's the thing. Win healthy. He has not been healthy in forever. But Jamar Chase replaced that like that. They're one year together. Joe Burrow, 5,600 yards passing. Pretty good. Easily won the Heisman. One of the widest margins of Heisman victory of all time. And Jamar Chase, 1,700 yards. Over 100 yards more than the next best player on the team, or on the in the nation, 
And I guess on the team as well with Justin Jefferson at 1,500 yards. But Jamar Chase, 1,780 yards receiving, averaged 21.2 yards per reception, and got 20 receiving touchdowns with Joe Burrow as his starting quarterback. And then Joe Burrow put up 60 passing touchdowns with 20 of them going to Jamar Chase. A third of his passing touchdowns went to Jamar Chase. Oh, that'd be great to see in Cincinnati. Who, if you watch that LSU team, and I've said this a bunch, that is my favorite team of all time that I've had absolutely nothing to do with. That LSU team. If we're talking individual teams, like which year was my favorite team, excluding teams that I've grown up watching or go to school watching, was that LSU team. They did everything so smooth, and they were not ever expected to do that. Their players weren't widely sought after recruits, but they ended up dominating that season. I saw a thing last year. It was like no team in the nation would have been undefeated at that at a certain point of LSU schedule, other than LSU, who was the first one seed to win the college football playoff until Alabama did it this year. Now there's only now there's two of them, and you can make the argument that Alabama team was better. Than them? But I don't know. You can make an argument. I don't know if I could take that argument. Because man. That LSU team. Was awesome. Every single player. That left that team. Go to the NFL. Got either drafted or signed in free agency. Every player that left LSU that year. Either got signed in free agency or drafted. That's awesome. That does not happen. Very often. So the Eagles, in their attempts to get either Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts, may have been foiled. And then their other option was Zach Wilson, which got foiled even before the offseason started. So your three picks as an Eagle, as Howie Roseman, the GM, as Nick Sirianni as the new head coach, your options were Zach Wilson, Kyle Pitts, and Jamar Chase. Those options might all be off the table, and all of those players very may well be out by the first five picks. And you pick sixth, might as well just trade back. Because before I released my last mock draft, I did have the Falcons taking Kyle Pitts in that draft. But then changed it because I liked the fact of Trey Lance going there. But now that I think Trey Lance is going to San Francisco, this could be a little teaser to next week's mock draft, which will be released mock draft 5.0? Or is it 4.0? I can't remember. There's too many .0s in this mock draft season. But man, that's a killer top five. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase. That's a filthy, filthy top five. That's an amazing top five. You don't see this kind of talent go in the top five like this that often. (laughs) And you could make an argument that you don't make a wrong pick at number five. It is physically impossible for the Cincinnati Bengals to make a wrong pick at number five. You can take Panay Sewell. You can take Jamar Chase. You can take Rashawn Slater. You can take one of the Alabama guys. You are not making a bad pick for the Cincinnati Bengals, at least as far as we're sitting here right now. Now, obviously, 
as we move in the future, we can tell a little bit more. It's like, oh, well, you shouldn't have drafted that player. You should have gone with someone else instead, which is always fun to do. But at this point in time, again, on March 28th, the Bengals cannot make a wrong pick. There are three quarterbacks going in the top three, possibly four going in the top four. So the Cincinnati Bengals have a chance to have any of the best players available in the draft fall right into their lap because they are one of the few teams in the top 10 that does not have a quarterback controversy. One of the very few teams in the top 10 that does not have that. Because if you look at the top 10 right now, the Jaguars, Jets, 49ers, Falcons, Bengals, Dolphins, Lions, Panthers, Broncos, and Cowboys. So out of those 10, there are two that are guaranteed not to draft a quarterback this offseason. That is the Bengals and the Cowboys. At least in the first round. They might draft one later, but in the first round, they are not drafting a quarterback. Everybody else, Jaguars, Jets, 49ers, Falcons, Dolphins, Lions, Panthers, Broncos, all those teams could draft a quarterback this offseason. That is awesome for the Bengals, who sit at five, who don't need to trade back, sit there, and let the pieces fall where they may, and they land at Panay Sewell, Jamar Chase, a Kyle Pitts, maybe a Kyle Pitts. Man. Hoo-hoo-hoo. Rashawn Slater. Bengals fans, I'd be excited going into this draft. More excited than you went into last year, even though you knew you were getting a franchise quarterback, which is obviously more exciting because quarterback's the most important position on the football field. And getting a franchise quarterback is what every NFL fan dreams of. You don't dream of getting a bust. No one wants to do that. Like when you go into a draft, to go into an offseason, like, man, if you don't have a quarterback, you're like, man, I hope we get a franchise quarterback. You're kind of forgetting about everything else. Getting a quarterback is a GM and an organization's number one job. If you don't get a franchise quarterback, if you don't nail that position down, your job will always be in jeopardy. And that's why the 49ers moved into the top three to get either Justin Fields, Trey Lance, or Mac Jones. There is a chance, though, again, that they could trade up the two and take Zach Wilson. There's always that chance. I just don't think it'll happen. I think it's a mortal lock that Trevor Lawrence is going one, Zach Wilson is going second overall. Not only going second overall, but going to the New York Jets. That's where he's going. And this is kind of funny. I saw a, t- a post on Twitter from Bleacher Report. Eagles wanted to trade up the number three, but only if they could draft Zach Wilson. Purian Rappaport. Zach Wilson, I follow him on Twitter, liked the tweet <laughs> of the Eagles saying they were going to trade up to get him. I'm not really going to take a lot away from that because he wasn't going to be available at three. They were going to have to get up to number two. That only gave them a shot to get Zach Wilson. They probably weren't getting him. And as an NFL scout, unnamed NFL scout said to Fox Sports, draft starts at three. Zach Wilson is going second overall. I think we can guarantee that at this point. We can almost guarantee that at this point. And for the Miami Dolphins, getting another set of first-round draft picks or a set of picks, they have transformed the Laramie Tunsil draft pick into four first-round picks and a third-round pick. They might build a damn statue outside of Hard Rock Stadium for Laramie Tunsil. If he didn't get busted for the weed-smoking video, he doesn't get drafted by the Dolphins. He gets drafted a whole hell of a lot sooner. You don't see Ronnie Stanley... Or Jack Conklin going before him. I think Jack Conklin was in that draft. Now I'm going to have to check myself because I'm not really, (laughs) I can't really remember if that's 
the draft where Jack Conklin went. I think it was it was either him or Taylor Decker went in 2016 before ta- it was Jack Conklin. It was Ronnie Stanley, Jack Conklin, and then Laramie Tunsil. Laramie Tunsil was a top five pick, almost guaranteed, and then that video conveniently drops right before the draft. As all good things do happen right before the NFL draft. You always see this happen. I wonder, we should place a prop bet on who has some dirt dug up on them for this year's draft. Because who knows who could be this year. It could be anybody out of this draft. Because <laughs> it always happens. And it's super annoying. I feel so bad for these players that are getting drafted. And then, boom. Let's bring this up to attention now. Let's go back on their Twitter from when they were, what, 13 years old? Dig up some old tweets from them. Oh, let's go find a video of him smoking weed and post it on his Snapchat story, his Instagram story, whatever. Or post it on Twitter, wherever that thing was posted. Let's ruin his draft stock. And I know there's people out there that's like, ah, oh, he's a million. He's going to make millions of dollars in the NFL. He's going to be fine. Rookie cont- Rookies don't make millions right away. They make good money, but you don't make millions until your first contract is up until about year four or year five. Or if you get a contract before that, like some players are blessed in getting. But man, I remember sitting there watching that draft and seeing that drama unfold from a guaranteed top five pick to number 13 and then now four first-round draft picks and a third-rounder, I think the Dolphins are thanking their lucky stars that that man got caught for smoking weed on, it, on wherever he got posted. Because I don't remember where he got posted. Just somewhere. <laughs> but good Lord, the draft, regardless of that, is always very fun to watch. Because the drama of the draft, regardless if it's actually good drama or bad drama, is always entertaining to watch. And what's also entertaining to watch is seeing... The NFL offseason. It's the NFL offseason in general. And this year, the NFL made a rule change. Yes, the first rule change in a while for the season as a whole. The first time since 1978, the NFL is expected to expand their regular season schedule the week this week to 17 games. The league has played 16 games in regular season. Scheduled since 1978, by far the longest stretch without a change in NFL history. This is funny to me. I know there's going to be people out there that are like, oh, man, well, they're getting paid to play football. Oh, they shouldn't care about how many games there are. Well, no, that's not how this works. <laughs> they're the ones that are putting their bodies on the line every single week. You see what happens to certain players after they're done in the NFL, regardless of they played a full 20-year career if they played one year in the NFL. There are risks that are crazy that is only seen in the NFL as opposed to other of the major sports in America. I guess you can argue hockey's in there as well. But basketball, baseball, soccer, you're not getting those endanger your life every single time you step the field. And the NFL, and college football's the same thing. The NCAA is the exact same head-up-their-ass type of people that just say all the good things but don't actually mean anything that they actually say. Like, all we care about player safety. So why are we playing another game? If you care about player safety that much, why are we playing another game? Oh, we care about player safety. Then why are we moving a schedule to the spring and then asking these players to play again in the fall? The same in two months, three months, we're going to restart the next season. Act like the spring season never even happened, but it's going to happen. It's stupid. Nobody cares about player safety. The NFL doesn't and the NCAA doesn't. Never have, never will. (laughs) 
Now, the coaches, they do. The coaches are not the ones that make the decisions about these rule changes, about, oh, man, we're going to add a 17th game. That, uh. Now, for fans, it's fun to watch. You get another week of good football. Maybe. Or we're just going to see a bunch of backups play because it's week 17 and no one wants to play their starters before the playoffs or even just play in general. It's going to be a scrub week. It's going to be another preseason game, essentially. It's stupid. But you know why this is happening? It's not because we care about player safety. So we added another game. This will add a ton of money. The NFL just got another big extension. uh, Renewed their big deal with ESPN, I think, for Monday Night Football. So this is all about money. And you, whether you like or hate Roger Goodell, whatever, he has made the NFL a lot of money, which is what he's essentially there to do, grow the NFL, which is what he has done, regardless of what you think about him and some of the rules he's implemented, the suspensions he's implemented and stuff like that. He has grown the NFL to the biggest sports league in the world. Now, the f- football itself is not the biggest sport in the world, but the NFL is by far, and it's not even close, the biggest organized league in the world. It's not even close. Because if you look at over overseas in Europe and other countries over there, the Premier League's nowhere close to that. La Liga? The only, the only league in Europe or over on the other side of the pond that comes close to the NFL or can even think about even trying to rival is the Premier League. No other leagues over there really met. There's five leagues that make a ton of money. Over in Europe. That's Premier League in England. La Liga in Spain. Ligue 1 in French. France. Then you got the Bundesliga in Germany. And Serie A in Italy. Other than that, that's about it. Now you've got good leagues over there. Like the Netherlands have a really good league. Portugal has a really good league. But we don't really, they don't care compared to the NFL. Not even any league in American sports. Compares the NFL. Not even close. So again, you can like, love, or hate, or even just dislike Roger Goodell. But man, he's growing the league. I don't really have an opinion about Roger Goodell. But he's growing the league and he's making the league a ton of money. Regardless if that's the health and safety of his players or not, they're making money. And the NFL is going to make a ton of money to have a 17th game, which is going to be weird. I hate, I heard this a couple weeks ago. It was the Patriots doing all this to go 9-8. and eight. I hate how that record sounds. 9-8. and 10-8. and eight. Or 10, yeah, no, 10-7. and seven. That, I don't like how that sounds. Oh, man, the first team ever to go this day. They went 16-1 and one this year. That sounds, I hate that. That's going to take some time. Even our parents... Have, are going to need some time. Like again, 1978 was the last time the NFL changed its schedule. 78. My parents were both born in 71. So this is all new territory, essentially, for them. Which is going to be weird. I don't know if I really like it that much. It's weird seeing college games that back in the day, like when Iowa won out uh, the Capital One Bowl against LSU. 10-2 was their final record. They finished the regular season at 9-2. That sounds weird. <laughs> and it's not really that weird. And obviously there were records that were weird, weird this year. But I like the consistency of 16 games. It's like, oh man, 
on 14 and 2. You can just rattle off 16 game wins, 16 seasons, 16 games records off the top of your head. But 17 is going to take some time to adjust to. And I know it's only one game difference, but it's going to take some time to adjust to. And I hope the NFL is happy with this decision. I know ultimately they will because, again, it's going to make them a shit ton of money. But, man, we're going to watch a preseason game at the end of the year. We're going to cut down on preseason games, add another game, so it's basically like we just kept the preseason game but just made it a regular season game. I can't wait to watch the backups Chiefs play the backup Broncos. Oh, that's going to be such a fun game. Chad Henney versus whoever the hell the Broncos backup is this year. Maybe Drew Locke, whoever they get this offseason. If they're getting a Sam Darnold or somebody to compete with them. Now, time will tell on that with the Broncos situation. But man, we cut out preseason games and then we essentially just add another preseason game. <laughs> that's what we that's what we did. We just added another preseason game, but just gave it meaning, I guess. We said, yep, this game will actually count for something this time. Preseason game? Well, we'll count it. Oh, yes. Thank you for doing this, NFL. I'm so excited to get all this stuff done. This is going to be so fun. I'm going to I'm enjoying it. Love it. This is going to be so awesome. <laughs> Watching. <laughs> I saw this with the, the Suez Canal with the boat turning sideways essentially with that crane you obviously seen the meme if you're listening to this show. at least i hope you've seen the meme is the nfl fighting for player safety trying to dig the boat out and the nfl getting money 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 from 17 schedule 17 game schedule and no extra bye week there's just a lot of money going in here a lot of money goodness gracious the nfl and making money name a better duo the nfl and money there's no other duo like it Man, I mean, I mean, football's fun regardless. I know people will enjoy it because more football means everybody's happy. Hell, we even tried to make it seem like the AAF was fun to watch for a little bit just because it was football. Really, it was garbage, but it was football. So we were like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. And the XFL, before it folded, but before it conveniently decided, oh, no, COVID's here. We're going to fold now. Oh, no, we weren't going to do this already. XFL was sucked too towards the middle of the season. And hopefully when the Rock Kex gets it back, hopefully it's a decent product because it wasn't very fun to watch. Once you got past that week two honeymoon phase, you're like, wow, this is painful to watch. I think some of the stuff's cool, but this is not very fun to watch. I did not enjoy the XFL after week two. And I was a big-time D.C. Defenders fan because I went off of who's the starting quarterback for each team. And that's how I picked my team. And I chose Cardell Jones and who was a – jeez, my headphones are squeaking like crazy. Goodness gracious, my headphones were going crazy. Tyree Jackson was the other quarterback, but good Lord, my headphones are just going insane there. Man, but hey, hopefully the NFL in the Week 17 thing works out for them. I know people will like it. Again, people will always enjoy it. So enough with the NFL and college football. Let's talk about some other football in the world of soccer. And the United States will start with the U.S. men's national team, the senior team. They had a game earlier today. They played Northern Ireland and came out on top 2-1 to one in Ireland. It's the first time, now I could be repeating this wrong, it's the first time the United States has ever beaten Northern Ireland, which is 
Very impressive to think about. Now, Niall McGinn scored a goal in the 88th minute, which screwed up another Zach Steffen clean sheet. The same thing basically happened against Jamaica, where they scored in about the, what, 60-something, 70th minute, somewhere around there. Screwed up a clean sheet for Zach Steffen. But hey, I don't think I'll complain about a 2-1 victory over Northern Ireland. And I know they're not the best team in the world, and they're the worst, the second best team in Ireland, behind the Republic of Ireland. But, man, it's still a good win for the United States. I'll take this win. Christian Pulisic was back at captain, which is very fun to see. They play with a back five, which I haven't seen them ever do, regardless if it was with Beerhalter or with anybody else. And congratulations on Burhalter on his... This was his 25th game as manager for the United States, and it was, he has had 45 WTs in that time span, which is very impressive, getting all these young players' minutes. Brian Reynolds... Saw action in his first game for the United States today. Came out in halftime for Serginio Des. Sebastian Legette, unsurprisingly, came on as well. But they played a nice 5-2-3 formation with Tim Ream as a left-sided center back. Matt Miazga as the middle one. Aaron Long as the other center back. Dest and Anthony Robinson as the wing backs. And Dest, that's where he's been balling out for Barcelona. They switched to a five-back system. And Dest has been playing very, very well as that right wing back. So that's what they used him today for the United States. He looked good in the half, 45 minutes he played. I mean, he didn't really get on the ball that much, but he looked decent. He looked decent. Giovanni Reina got a very lucky goal, deflected goal, which was good to see because remember what I said last show when we talked about the United States versus Jamaica, how frustrated he was looking after not getting any goals to any shots to find the back of the net on five attempts. He was visually frustrated. Not just like, oh, I could. Th- I think he's frustrated. No, he it ex- expressed his frustration on his face. But he got a goal, deflected goal, but still a goal nonetheless. And then Christian Pulisic slotted home one of the worst penalties I've ever seen, but still went in the back of the net. I don't know what the goalie was doing in that. Connor Hazard, the goalie for Northern Ireland. I don't know what that was. He moved to the right a little bit, and Pulisic just kind of, I don't know. I don't even know what to say kicked. He tapped it into the center of the goal. It was not a fun penalty to watch. But that's one of those, oh, he just looked super confident. He knew that was going to score. But if he saved that, it was like, why Why was that a thing? Why did you take a penalty like that? But he scored, so it doesn't matter. But hey, he was the captain again, which is, again, Twitter blew up for that. Captain America's back. First time he's been captain in a while. And he hasn't played consistently for the United States since 2019. So he's played back-to-back games, started back-to-back games for the U.S., and played the whole 90. And this one was named man of the match as well. So very good stuff from Christian Pulisic in this game. Man of the match. Scored a goal. 15th goal in his career for the United States. Which is the second youngest American to reach 15 goals. And there's no prizes for guessing who's the youngest. Obviously, it was Landon Donovan. And the two of them, Pulisic and Landon Donovan, play similar roles for the United States. Donovan was naturally a left winger, could play on the right wing as well, but naturally a left winger, which Christian Pulisic does. But in his time with the United States men's national team, Bob Bradley liked to play him sometimes as a number 10, sometimes even as an out-and-out striker, which wasn't often, but it did happen. Pulisic has played as a number 10 and a number 8, mostly under Burhalter, but now, recently, he's been back playing at his natural position, which is left wing. But Burhalter has allowed him to have that freedom in this left field, but also being able to circle around, 
which is why players like Dest and Robinson are very good for that left side of the field. And Dest might be the better option on the left side of the midfield, on the left back spot, because he will run forward and Anton Robinson will do the same thing. But Dest and Pulisic looked deadly together. Even though Pulisic did not score in the game, Dest played awesome in the game against Jamaica. We can't we can't overstate that enough. He was awesome in that game. In the United States, 2-1 victors. Good stuff. Very good stuff. Uh, coming away 2-0 in an international break is fun. Also seeing some new players play as well. Seeing Kellen Acosta getting regular minutes again. Started both games this week. Because I remember when Berhalter took over. And it was right after Kellen Acosta transferred from FC Dallas to Colorado. His minutes with the United States men's national team started to dwindle a little bit. But he was awesome for the United States for a while. Or not a while, but for that little bit. With Jurgen Klinsmann there as well. He's not a natural number six, but that's where he's played. He's been playing that more withdrawn role in this midfield too with Jonas Musa. He played withdrawn. Musa would go forward. But Kellen Acosta is a great set-piece specialist. He doesn't done that in the United States because Sebastian Legette's there, Pulisic's there. So he's not going to do that that much anymore. But that's what he did when he was younger. So hopefully this gets him consistently back in the United States men's national team because he's one of my favorite players. Now that he plays for Colorado, kind of hurts. But... He's still one of my favorite players, and I hope he continues to get minutes for the United States men's national team. And Jonas Musa, speaking of him, is now officially cap tied to the United States. He's made four appearances for the United States. I know there none of them are competitive, but once you get over that three-game threshold, you are now cap tied to that country. He cannot move to another country, which is good for the United States. And with the way the future is going for the United States, I think that this is a great move for Jonas Musa. Gets to start regularly for the United States. It was an opportunity he wouldn't be able to get if he were to commit to the English national team with their plethora of options in the middle of the park. Declan Rice, Jordan Henderson, Mason Mount, Jack Grealish, uh, James Madison, Phil Foden, Jesse Lingard's been back, James Ward-Prowse, Calvin Phillips. That's eight people I can think of off the top of my head. Like th- there, There's a lot of options at the center of the park. And Deli Alley's... Still in there, I guess you could say. Eric Dyer could still be mentioned there. That's 11. Any more that I'm forgetting about? Jude Bellingham? So there's 12. That's 11. That's that's 12. 12 people. So I think it's, career-wise, I think it makes a lot of sense for Jonas Musa to make the transition and make his official statement to the United States. But now, not only did he make his official statement, FIFA has made the official statement that he is now a full-time United States international, which is great to see. And he also saw a debut for Doran, Jordan Siabacho, Siabacho, Siabacho. There we go. Jordan Siabacho, who's been playing over for young boys in Switzerland. He's on loan from Ren. He's been a French international. He's been playing under the under-21 team, but, or the under-age teams. I shouldn't say under-21 because I'm not 100% sure. But he got a start at striker today. He's been playing very, very well for young boys. I think he's fifth in the Swiss League for goals right now. He's got 10, game, to, 10 goals in total in the league, which is very nice. So this adds to another possible striker for the United States. And the amount of strikers the United States has is growing, which is a good thing. Competition is great for the United States. Daryl DK, Josh Sargent, Jossie Zardes, Josie Altador. They got Matthew Hoppy, And then now... Jordan Siapacho. Siabacho. Jeez, I keep butchering that. And then 
Akinola is still technically there. Jesus Ferreira on the under-23 teams. We'll just talk about them in a little bit. There's some good options for the United States at striker, and I'm liking it. This is something they never had. Josie Altador was fairly unchallenged as the number one, number nine for the United States men's national team, and that was annoying. Now, there are options, and it is fantastic to see. So Josie Altador, who is already, we've already speculated is basically out of Greg Berhalter's plans. It looks like he might be for a while now with all these players breaking through. Now, I was disappointed that Daryl DK didn't start the game, but he did get a chance to play in the game. Came on the 62nd minute for Ciabacho. There we go. So, yeah, great success for the United States men's national team in this international break. Now moving to the under-23 team. Again, missed the Olympics. Lost 2-1 to one to Honduras today. So the U.S. will not be in the Olympics yet again. This is, they I mean, they haven't been in the Olympics since <laughs> 2008. So this isn't a new thing. But 2-1 lost. Jackson Ewell was the only goal scorer in the game for the United States. They were down 2-0. He scored in the 52nd minute. It was done. And Mexico and Canada are playing right now, and Mexico just scored. We are 57 minutes into the game, and Mexico has just scored a goal. I mean, we should be shocked if Mexico didn't make the Olympics. Anyways, they're clearly the class of CONCACAF at all levels right now, but the United States is slowly creeping up on the men's international, like the senior team side. But man, another year, another season without the Olympics. Now, there's some talented players on those underage teams from the United States, but yet again, missed the Olympics. That's a sad thing and a good thing for the United States that the best players of the United States, the sad thing is they're all under 23, which means they're not playing for the under 23 team because once you get to that senior team level, it's seen as a demotion if you're going down to play for the U23 teams. So, like, again, all the players we mentioned last time, the six, the Josh Sargents, the Jonas Musa, Sergio Dests of the world, they're not going to want to play for the U23 teams anymore. They've gotten past that. They've been brought up through the youth system, and they're already in the senior team. They're not going to want to play a qualifying game for the under-23s. Right, wrong, or otherwise, they deserve shots at the senior level. They would have all played in the Olympics, but if you're getting opportunities to play for the senior team, which is the end-all, be-all for international soccer, you're going to stick there. Now, it's sad not to see the United States in the Olympics yet again, but I've kind of forgotten what that feels like. So <laughs> I've kind of grown numb to it at this point. But that's all I've got for you today. I don't really want to talk a ton about the United States Olympic failure yet again. Let's just end it on that. Hope you all have enjoyed the show today. Excited for more rumors coming up in regards to the draft. Mock draft 5.0, I believe, will be out next Monday. Again, hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you had a fantastic weekend, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. I will see you all later. Peace.